the scripture reading this evening will be from Luke chapter 2, verses 40 through 52. Luke 2, 40 through 52. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, they were returning. The boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature in the favor of God. Amen. Good evening. Pleasure to uh, be here this evening and have an opportunity to speak with you. Um, it's also a pleasure to see the young men um, so willing and, and ready to serve. Um, I know there's nothing scarier than getting up here for your first time and leading a song and uh, saying a prayer and, and reading some scripture, so I, I certainly commend them, Gene. I think you have some more uh, people to add to your list of, uh, of workers. Um, that's great. So um, if you have a Bible, I'd like to invite you uh, to turn with me to the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. We're going to begin there this evening. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. And while you're turning there, um, I just want to express my appreciation to Anthony um, for inviting me to speak um, this evening, especially uh, having just passed my 39th birthday this week. Um, to be a part of the youth service is a, a special treat. Um, you know, next year when I turn 40, I guess that, that means I'll enter old age and probably won't qualify anymore. But uh, here I am for one, one more try. Um, but he, uh, he asked me to do this and, and gave me um, a little outline of some things that uh, were on his heart that uh, he'd like to share, and, and I took that and added some things to it of some things that were on my heart um, about youth and the importance of serving him and dedicating uh, your life to Christ and, and commitment to service and being involved in the Father's work and the Father's business um, at a young age. Um, but I want to begin tonight in the book of Ecclesiastes, and we find Solomon who, uh, who spent a good portion of his life pursuing everything that life had to offer and living life to the fullest capacity that you possibly could um, on this earth to seek fulfillment, um, to seek satisfaction, to see what all was out there that he could take pleasure in. And so we come to the end of Ecclesiastes, and as he's reflecting back on his life and the things that he has um, engaged in, and he come to the conclusion that at the end of everything, what's of most important is to find your purpose in life 
in serving God and dedicating yourself to Him and fearing Him um, and following the path that He has laid out for us in Scripture. So I'd like to begin tonight by uh, reading in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 7. Truly the light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to behold the sun. But if a man lives many years and rejoices in them all, yet let him remember the days of darkness, for they will be many. All that is coming is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these God will bring you into judgment. Therefore, remove sorrow from your heart and put away evil from your flesh, for childhood and youth are vanity. Remember now your Creator in the days of your youth before the difficult days come, and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. While the sun and the light, the moon and the stars are not darkened, and the clouds do not return after the rain, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble, and the strong men bow down, when the grinders cease because they are few, and those that look through the windows grow dim, when the doors are shut in the streets and the sound of grinding is low, when one rises up at the sound of a bird, and all the daughters of music are brought low. Also they are afraid of height and of terrors in the way, when the almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper is a burden, and desire fails. For man goes to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets. Remember your Creator before the silver cord is loosed, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the well, then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. And there's a lot of metaphor used here to describe various aspects of the aging process. I'm not going to go into uh, those now, but it certainly will if, if you have a desire to do so um, after services. But basically we find here that Solomon is referencing three groups of people. Those who are young and in their youth, those who are old, and those who perhaps don't live till, till they reach old age because of some uh, tragic accident that their life is cut short. And the message I have tonight is, is mainly geared for our youth, um, but those of you who are older, um, you know, don't fall asleep because I have some information for you towards the end uh, that I'll share with you. But throughout his life, as I mentioned, Solomon sought to find meaning and purpose in, in the life that he lived, and so he set out pursuing everything that life had to offer. Um, the Bible tells us in Second uh, Chronicles ver- chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, that he was the richest man that it, had ever lived and that ever will, will live. So he had all the wealth that you could possibly um, have in this life to pursue everything that his heart desired. And if we spend all of our life working and pursuing wealth and pursuing money, you'll never accumulate as much wealth as what Solomon had. He, he had it all. He pursued a life of pleasure, um, a life where he threw parties and and not only did he throw parties like you might think about your, your outdoor uh, barbecue or um, family get-togethers, he threw epic get-togethers, epic parties. Turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 4, verses 22 and 23. We're going to be doing a lot of uh, flipping through the Bible tonight, so if you have a Bible, um, if you don't have a Bible, there's one there in the pew that you can use. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 4, verses 22 and 23. Now Solomon's provision for one day was 30 cores of fine flour, 60 cores of meal, 
ten fatted oxen, twenty oxen from the pastures, and one hundred sheep, besides deer, gazelles, roebucks, and fatted cow, for one day. That's enough food if you fixed it to feed thousands and thousands of people. And that was his daily ration. So he's throwing some big get-togethers for all the people in his house. He tried pursuing after women and lust and, and the sexual pleasures um, that he, of life. And so he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Then he moved on to achievements and thought, well, I'm going to build great and marvelous works. I'm going to build gardens. I'm going to build palaces. I'm going to build temples. And he pursued a life of constructing, constructing things. But in the end, he found that all of the things and all the works that he did was just vanity, like, like vapor or like grasping for the wind, that the more you try to reach out and grab it, the more it slips through your fingers. The more you try to pursue fulfillment, the more you try to pursue happiness and enjoyment in this life, the more those things will slip through your fingers. And in the end, he found that service and dedication to God was where true fulfillment and happiness was found. He found out that's what life was all about. So Solomon writes that while you're young, when you have dreams, when you have uh, desires, when you have energy, when you have vitality, when, when you're adventurous, when you want to go out and, and try things and live your life to the fullest, he challenges you to remember that you have a creator. And when we think about remembering in, uh, in the original language, um, it's the idea of keeping something in the forefront of your mind. Um, let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. As the Israelites were preparing to go from their 40 years in the wilderness to cross over the Jordan into the land of Canaan, to the promised land, um, God had given them some instructions to keep in the forefront of their mind as they entered into this land that was flowing with milk and honey and, and had everything that they could possibly um, need in this life. In, uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning of verse 4, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words I command you today shall be in your heart. Let's look down at verse 8. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. And so when we think about frontlets between your eyes, uh, they used to have something called a phylactery. And Jesus, you remember, in the New Testament, criticized the uh, Pharisees for having broad phylacteries. And the phylactery was this little box. And uh, Jews would take um, scripture references, this one um, in particular, and they would write it on a little piece of paper and stick it in that box and wear it on a strap around their head. And so the thing was that the more you, scripture references you put in there, the bigger my phylactery had to be, which meant that I'm more religious than you. And so they were more concerned with how big my phylactery is, my outside appearance, as opposed to wearing it on your heart and binding it on your heart. When we were traveling home from Switzerland, we were uh, sitting in the airport at Zurich, um, and I had never seen somebody with a phylactery on. I didn't realize people still wore them. But over waiting for one of the planes, there was two individuals looked like they had jumped right out of the Passion of the Christ movie, the high priest and um, Nicodemus. And they had on the, the full um, garments like you would expect a Pharisee to wear. They had their phylacteries on. They were reading their prayer book um, and, and, and bowing uh, forward and backward. And I expected one of them to get up and tear their clothes because I had on a, a mission T-shirt. But... Um, 
so people still have the idea of putting something at the forefront of your mind to remember, and we're challenged to remember the Creator. Why? Well, look at verse 12 and 13. Beware lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. You shall fear the Lord your God and serve Him and shall take oaths in His name. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the people who are all around you. So I want to spend a little bit of time talking about why is it important to remember your Creator while you're young. You know, when you're young, you should be out uh, you know, doing whatever your heart desires, and we think sometimes that service to God, we should, we'll do that when we get older. we got plenty of time for that. But the Bible reminds us, or Saul reminds us, as we read earlier, that you should remember your Creator because the days of darkness are many. You know, if you live long enough, you're going to be older a lot longer than you're going to be young. Those days of youth are a very small portion of your life and the time that you'll have on this earth, Lord willing. But not only that, the choices that you make while you're young are going to impact you the rest of your life. I'm sure there are many of us in here this evening that are living with the choices that we made while we were young. Some of them good choices. Good choices have good consequences. Some of them bad choices um, that have consequences. And so we find ourselves when we're older spending time trying to get past the, the choices and the decisions um, that we made when we were young. The, the good thing is, is that God promises that he can take evil things and turn them into good things. Um, in Romans chapter 8, we can read about that. It's important to remember your Creator in your youth because the things that bring you pleasure now won't always bring you pleasure. Those things that you like to do when you're young, if you like to listen to music, if you live long enough, you won't always like it. Your ears won't work well enough for you to hear it. When you're young, if you like art, you won't always like it. You like to be athletic and, and be involved in active pursuits. If you live long enough, you won't always. You enjoy your family and your friends. If you live long enough, you're going to outlive your friends and your family. And what will you have left? Therefore, we need to seek our happiness and our fulfillment, not only in serving Him, but being the happiness for somebody else, being the joy for somebody else. Um, when God called Abraham, He said that, I'm not only going to bless you, I'm going to make you a blessing. Abraham was a blessing to all those around him. He's still a blessing to us today. And so when we go through life, when we serve each other, when we serve God, when we find ways to be the happiness for somebody else, we find that in return um, we're happy. Young people, I'll give you an experiment to try this out. When you're at school, a good way to make somebody happy, you find the, the, the table in the lunchroom that has the students with special needs um, that are developmentally disabled and have trouble um, perhaps talking or walking. You go sit and, and talk with them for a few minutes, and you're going to see some happy people, um, and that will make your day, I promise. Try it out. You should remember your Creator while you're young because God will bring you into judgment. God, there, there's a day coming when we're all going to be held accountable for the way that we spend our time, the way we spend our energy, the way we spend our talents, uh, the way that we utilize the resources that God has laid before us. 
Um, a familiar story to all of us is the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25, where, where Jesus talks about the master who left, and before he left, he divided out um, his belongings with his stewards. Um, some had more than the other ones, and so two of them went out, and they worked, and they served, and they, they started with a little bit of talent, and they increased, and they, and they gained all the more. Um, but that one who didn't, he just went out and dug in the earth and hid it. Uh, the Bible doesn't tell us what he did in the meantime. Did he sit and wait? Did he go do something else that his heart desired? doesn't tell us. But all three, in the end, were held accountable um, for how they used their ability and their talent and what they, get, they had. You should remember your Creator in your youth because you have a Creator. It's important for us to realize the role that we have or the relationship we have with God we did not create God. It is God who made us, as the Bible says. Um, we were not created to pursue only the desires of our heart. Um, if you remember from the Garden of Eden, the Bible says that when Eve was tempted, her, her eyes saw the fruit of the tree, that it was pleasing to her eyes and good for food, and she desired it. Um, but the Bible tells us that we were created to give God glory. That's why we were created, to be a reflection of Him, that when people see us, they glorify God, the Creator. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 7. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. So the whole scheme of creation and life is not just about us and who we are and what we do, but it's about him. It's about God. It's about his son, what he's done um, to bring God glory and honor. We were also created to be fruitful and multiply. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, when God formed man out of the dust of the ground, he said that he's put him here in, to be fruitful and multiply, to increase, as the scripture reading um, that Caleb read about Jesus in the temple. So as he grew, he increased. And, and we like to think sometimes, uh, limit our, our thinking that being fruitful and multiply means just the reproductive process of filling the earth. But if we broaden our, our horizons, our scope, we realize that being fruitful and multiply is so much more. We can increase um, and grow and develop spiritually. Um, we learn when we're children about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. Let's turn there real quick. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such there is no law. And when I think about, you know, being fruitful and multiply, I think about it won't be too many weeks when um, our family every year, we like to go out to Lynn's Fruit Farm and pick apples. And you see the apples are just, or the trees are just full of apples, and you pick them off and eat them, and, and it's good, and you enjoy it. Um, 
And when I think about that in a spiritual sense, you know, how many people are depending on us for the, the spiritual fruit that we have? You know, think about the, what this world would be like if there was a little more love in it, um, if there was a little more patience, if there was a little more faithfulness. Um, others are depending on the fruit that we bear. In, in his book, um, in his image, the author Philip Yancey, um, in speaking about this, talks about, about the qualities of th- this fruit are good for you in every way. He says, the fruit is so attractive that someone would want to take a bite. And so when we think about serving Him, growing, leading others to Christ, are people attracted to the fruit that we bear, the fruit that we have um, in our life that, that we are growing and developing each day? Uh, does that attract people or not? The only way we can develop and multiply and grow that fruit is through service and commitment um, to Him. But not only have you been created to, to, um, to give God glory, you have been created to serve as well. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. So I'd like to move on to the next question, is why should I serve the Creator? If I remember the Creator and I bring Him glory and honor, why should I serve Him? Especially in our youth, why should I serve Him? Serving Christ, I think, helps us establish our proper identity. One of the things that is difficult for young people in moving through life stages and transitioning is finding out their identity. Um, it's one of the top issues and challenges that face young people is, is discovering and figuring out who am I. And usually when we go about when we're young, figuring out who we are, it's all about me. The focus is all on, on who I am. But when we serve God, the focus gets taken off us and put on our Creator. The focus gets put on Jesus and what He has done and what He is all about. And that's how I find my identity. Because if I put my identity in things of this world, eventually either I'm not going to enjoy them anymore, but what happens when they're taken away? If my identity is all in my job and I lose my job, what do I have left? When the foundations crumble, as the Bible says, what will I do? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. All the things that we strive so desperately for in our life to find happiness and fulfillment and pleasure. Jesus said if we seek him and his kingdom first, all of those things that we're going after will be added unto us. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, when God is pronouncing to the Israelites the blessings that they will receive when they go into the new land, that what they had to do was follow the covenant, be faithful to the covenant, walk in the way of the covenant, and they won't have to pursue the blessings because the blessings will overtake them. Just like I said earlier about happiness, if you want to be, if you want to be happy, make somebody else happy and the happiness from them will overtake you. You won't have to pursue it. But there is a danger that we can experience through serving, not only just in our youth, but any time. And it's the attitude that if I serve him, I'm going to expect something in return. That if I 
serve God, then I expect God to do something for me. That's, that's kind of the idea of the Santa Claus God. If I bring him my milk and cookies, then I expect God to leave me a gift um, under the tree for my enjoyment and my pleasure. But it doesn't work that way. Um, let's turn to Romans chapter 11. The Bible is clear about our salvation not being based on works. But I want to give you a, a little bit um, different thought process on this. Uh, Romans chapter 11, beginning in verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has become his counselor? Or who has first given to him, and it shall be repaid to him? For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. So we see here that God is the creator. Everything that we are, everything that we see, belongs to God. The Bible says in the Psalms that the cattle on a thousand hills are his. And that's kind of their way of expressing that the, the wealth of God and, and the richness of God. Um, it'd be like today if you said the, the Ferraris and a thousand garages are mine. Um, it's the idea that there's nothing that you can bring to God that he needs or that he will repay you for. Everything that we are is of God, and it's in him that we live and we move and we have our being, the Bible says. God's knowledge and wisdom and, and ability is so far beyond our comprehension and what he is able to, to behold. Um, if you think about all of the words in every single language on the earth, God knows them. God knows every word ever printed in every single book. He, he, the skies, not only above the earth, but above every planet and, and every solar system are God's. Inside our body, every cell, the billions of cells that move through our body, God knows each one of them. He created them. He established them. And it's by His grace and love that we are here today. And so there's nothing that I can do to bring to God. The Bible says that all of my works of righteousness are like filthy rags. And it's all about what Christ has done, um, taking my sin and, and giving me the credit for his righteousness. We serve God because Christ served, first served us. If there was one thing that you could use to describe Jesus and his life on the earth, it was that of a servant. From the very beginning, as the, the scripture reading was read earlier, of Jesus, 12 years old, seeking the things of, in his Father's house, to do the Father's will, um, to learn, to grow, and increase. Mark chapter 10, verse 45, Jesus reminded us that he came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And it's God's intention to transform us into the likeness of Jesus, the likeness of his Son. In John chapter 13, verse 35, the Bible says, By this they will know that you are my disciples by your love. The love that we have for one another is how people will know that we're of him. Not because we say we're Christians, not because we wear a shirt or wear a cross, 
but because of the love um, that we have for one another. And if we would take a, a greater look um, at, at love and about loving God with all our heart and loving our neighbor as ourself, an interesting comment I read this week from a commentary said the idea of love is, is Jesus living his life through us. Apostle Paul said to live is Christ. Christ not only lives in our heart, he lives through us, and we are a reflection of the glory um, of God. So for those of us who are older, what does this mean? Let's go back to Luke chapter 2. As we help to teach our young people about the opportunities to serve, the blessings of service, the dangers of service, there are some things that we can do. First of all, we can be an example to them. You know, why would our youth, our children, want to serve if we're not involved in service? They're going to follow the lead um, of the father or of the mother or the parent, the grandparent, um, the aunts and uncles, the people in their life that have influence. And we see that in, in many instances in Jesus' life, in this example in Luke chapter 2, that they were, it was their custom to go to Jerusalem, to the place of worship, um, to be involved in paying their respect and bringing the sacrifices um, to God. And Jesus was certainly a part of that. Um, secondly, we can provide opportunities for our young people to serve. Uh, there are a lot of opportunities provided here in the church through different um, work days, programs, uh, youth mission activities. Um, but there's also things that we can do outside of ones that are just structured and, and run by um, the direction of the church. There's lots of ways that we can, we can serve each other. Um, and we can help be an example for, uh, for our young people for that. Um, for those of us that are older, we shouldn't be surprised when they want to serve. You know, Jesus' parents were amazed you know, he was still there in the temple. They were looking for him. Uh, they didn't expect him, I guess, obviously, to find him still there in the temple, learning of Jesus, or learning of the teachers, learning about God, um, asking questions. And so we shouldn't be surprised when our young people want to be involved in work and be involved in service. Um, but not only should we not be surprised, we shouldn't hinder them or be a stumbling block from time that they could be spent um, in service and learning how to serve. Um, We can help them identify their gifts to serve. One of the challenges that young people face is learning, what can I do? What abilities has God given me? Um, and so we, we find that sometimes we start out with a small amount of talent, and we use it, and it grows. Um, so as, as parents and, and grandparents and people of influence, we can help identify in our young people those areas of, of ability um, and strengthen them. We can... Talk to them about our failures. You know, we're not always perfect. We're not always um, successful in areas that we serve. And every time we go out to serve, we're not always going to be successful. We might not always see fruit from that. And so it's important to not only share um, the successes that we've had, but the challenges that we've had as well. Um, you know, Jesus said that you know, those who are going to follow him have to take up their cross. There's nothing pleasant about a cross. Serving isn't always pleasant. It isn't always easy. And we need to be up front um, with our children about that and, and talk to them about it 
in our own life, what we've experienced. Um, and lastly, I'll just say that as older Christians, we can provide as much encouragement and support as we can. Um, there's nothing that will go farther than reaching out with some encouraging words to um, someone who's learning how to serve and learning how to use the talents that um, they've been given. So I'm going to kind of wrap it up here and just kind of go back to Ecclesiastes for a minute. We realize that there's a day coming of death. Death is coming for us all. We're all going to face a time when, when we pass from this world, unless Jesus comes first. Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes 11, verse 10, to remove vexation from your heart and put away evil from, from your flesh. Paul said it like this, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are expedient. So in other words, all those things in your life that cause you problems, that cause you grief, that cause distractions, that bring you away from the work of the church, the work, um, the service of committing ourselves fully to God, we need to remove those things from our life. I'll leave you with Romans chapter 6, verse 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. So let's remember that Jesus is not just our Savior. He's also our Lord and Master, and we serve Him. So I'd like to invite you to accept Jesus into your life, to confess your sin, to repent, to decide to turn. If you haven't committed your life to Him, to allow Him to wash you clean through baptism, to, to let Him carry your burden, and to let Jesus be the Master of your life, and to jump in and serving Him with both feet, fully committed, without reservation, in my life, I've experienced that serving Him is a great adventure. You know, I never thought when I was 17, 18, 19 years old that I would be preaching, leading singing, going on a mission trip to Switzerland, um, teaching Bible classes. It never even entered my mind. That was the farthest thing from my mind. But I found that the more I serve Him, the, the greater... Um, the adventure in this life is. Um, and so tonight I'm just going to invite you to come if you have a need as we stand and sing. Open up your songbooks to number 851.